Let's pray. Father, you made our ears, our hearts, our consciences. Would you by your word and by your spirit hook them all together as we focus upon Jesus? And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How great is Mary's son? We could come at that a lot of ways. Uh, and I want to be brief tonight, so I'll just simply say one that popped into my mind is uh, Napoleon, the great warrior in France, commented later in his career, uh, I've had my thousands who follow me out of force and fear. But Jesus has his thousands now, millions now, billions who follow him out of no force, but because they have seen by the grace of God his greatness. So let's look ever so briefly uh, at the beginning in one of the texts that uh, if you've been with us on Sundays, we looked at, but I want to touch on it just one more time. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 and following. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. What difference does it make that this baby was born, this child was born without a human father. The world loves to joke about that, but that's either true or it's not true. 
and given all that has happened through the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Frankly, I think if we're logical, it's a whole lot easier to believe that it's true and that there was nothing really unusual here. It is amazing the leaps of blind faith to which we humans will go to avoid thinking it might be true. Because we and we Americans are full of it, aren't we? Independence is in our blood. Uh, We want to take freedom and push it to the wall even if it hurts us because we don't understand how life fits together and how freedom leads to a caring for one another in deep community or we cannot thrive. The life that is in Jesus, the baby, is not just human, human life from Mary, but also the divine life of the Most High, God the Father Himself. And through the third person of the triune Godhead, the Holy Spirit, it means the transcendent triune God has come close to us, Emmanuel, God with us. By becoming incarnate, God has come close to His people a number of times in the Scripture. Emmanuel is a term that is used in the prophecies a multiple time, but it's multiple times, but it's a building thing until there is the ultimate Emmanuel. Isaiah's children, in which the verse in his text of the virgin conceiving deals both with the reality of Isaiah having children and the political situation that God promised to deliver them from, to the ultimate thing much greater which is God's holy bringing of everything together in Jesus, the ultimate, perfect Emmanuel. This child can and must be called holy. The word holy means separate. And I think even better put, uh, as the way it's used in the Older Testament and moving into the New, it means devoted to. Uh, The elements, the furniture of the tabernacle were, were holy. They were devoted to the worship of God. The triune Godhead is the picture of devotion. In eternity, in absolute completion, the Father is devoted to the eternal Son, and the Father and Son to the Spirit, and the Spirit, you begin to get the picture. Uh, They are what we can never be, even in the best of human marriages, purely holy and devoted to one another. Uh, We stand in awe of what that devotion means. Near us, Jesus, is but above us, beyond us, our source, our Lord, worthy of our worship. He is holy because He is indeed the eternal Son of God. And the ancient creed that we call the Nicene says it, He is eternally only begotten. And that's a hard word to understand. And the church fathers struggled with how to say it, but what they said is that He is begotten, not made. There was never a time that He wasn't. It expresses not a time, but a relationship. The Son is eternally of the Father, but He has the fullness of the life of the Father and is equal to the Father, even as the Spirit is the same, but not begotten with the nature of the Father in the same distinction as the Son. Begotten, that is, from the substance of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one substance with the Father, through whom all things came into being, things in heaven and things on earth, end quote. 
Never was there a time when he was not, because he, Father, Son, and Spirit, made all that exists, including time. Try to wrap your head around that one for more than 30 seconds. That time did not exist until the triune God created what we call creation. And there was a perfection that we call eternity. In the threeness and yet three distinct persons in in one unity, one life of the Godhead. Everything was made by Him and through Him and for Him. Therefore, the child who was born to Mary is indeed to be called the unique, the only Son of God. And He will be holy because no one has ever been as holy as devoted to God the Father as Jesus is. As Stephen and I talked about planning the service tonight, uh, he's already introduced the concept. Uh, We realize that uh, there's logic, there's doctrine, there's words the way we use them a lot in the church, but there is the beauty and the imagery of words that point us to the significance of realities. And so, in the brief time I'm going to take tonight, uh, I'm going to read three more poems. One more from Lucy Shaw, but uh, the first one I want to read you from in light of the text, because I'm really exegeting the text just in a different way, is from Joe Bailey, who uh, was one of my heroes as a writer in uh, my early years as a Christian in the 60s and 70s. Uh, He wrote a lot of psalm-like poems, and this was his psalm for Christmas Eve. Praise God for Christmas. Praise Him for the Incarnation, for the Word made flesh. I will not sing of shepherds watching flocks on frosty night, or angel choristers. I will not sing of stable bear in Bethlehem, or lowing oxen wise men trailing distant star with gold and frankincense and myrrh. Tonight I will sing praise to the Father who stood on heaven's threshold and said farewell to his son as he stepped across the stars to Bethlehem and Jerusalem. And I will sing praise to the infinite eternal son who became most finite a baby who would one day be executed for my crimes. Praise Him in the heavens. Praise Him in the stable. Praise Him in my heart. How great is Mary's son. Lucy Shaw wrote her own version of Mary's song. It goes like this. Blue homespun and the bend of my breast keep warm this small, hot, naked star fallen into my arms. Rest, you you who have had so far to come. Now nearness satisfies the body of God sweetly. Quiet he lies whose vigor hurled a universe. He sleeps, whose eyelids have not closed before. His breath 
so slight it seems no breath at all. Once ruffled the dark deeps to sprout a world. Charmed by doves' voices, the whisper of straw, he dreams. Hearing no music from his other spheres. Breath, mouth, ears, eyes. He is curtailed who overflowed all skies, all years. Older than eternity, now he is new. Now native to earth as I am, nailed to my poor planet, caught that I might be free. Blind in my womb to know my darkness ended. Brought to this birth for me to be newborn. And for him to see me mended, I must see him torn. Mary's song. Mary and Joseph pondered Gabriel's and Elizabeth's and the shepherds and Simeon and Anna's words about her son. What would they mean? And later she wept at the cross and at the tomb. And then after his resurrection, she had to learn to walk and stumble, just like you do if you're a Christian, at following in the new way of the Spirit. God did all that Lucy Shaw wrote about for those of us who also begin to find their real life in the Lord Jesus Christ. For those of us who are learning to lean into him, to trust him, and to rest in him. But if we're honest and if you're not trusting in Jesus yet, uh, don't wait to get perfect before you get there because the rest of us are stumbling to walk in this new way and need to get up over and over and over again. And sometimes we wander and we get lost from Jesus for a little while and we cry out to find our way back again to our shepherd. And with that, I read a second poem from Joe Bailey. Oh, how I know this one in my own life. It's called A Psalm of Wandering, W-A-N-D-E-R. Lord, you know I'm such a stupid sheep. I worry about all sorts of things, whether I'll find grazing land, still cool water, a fold at night in which I can feel safe. I don't. I only find troubles, want, loss. I turn aside from you to plan my rebel way. I go astray. I follow other shepherds, even other stupid sheep. Then when I end up on some dark mountain, cliffs before, wild animals behind, I start to bleat. Shepherd, shepherd, find me, save me, or I die. 
and you do. Think once more with me of the greatness of Mary's son who, how about you, he finds me and carries me when I bleedingly cry to him for help. And for please teach me again what you've taught me 20 times that I might learn how to stick close to you. I said three poems, there are really four, but one is a hymn. Uh, I wish we had time to teach it to you if you don't know it. I love the fact that the words are from uh, a writer named Aurelius Prudentius. You probably don't know him. Uh, he wrote in the fourth century these words. Christians have been singing them for a long time, and even the tune that I learned is a plain song from the 12th century. And yet our Jesus is the same Jesus and deserves the same words. Let me read you some of it, and then we're done. Of the Father's love begotten, ere the worlds began to be. He is Alpha and Omega. He the source and ending, He. Of the things that are, that have been and that future years shall see evermore and evermore. Oh, that birth forever blessed, when the virgin full of grace by the Holy Ghost conceiving bore the Savior of our race, and the babe, the world's Redeemer, first revealed His sacred face evermore and evermore we worship. This is he whom heaven taught singers sang of old with one accord, whom the scriptures of the prophets promised in their faithful word. Now he shines the long expected. Let creation praise its Lord evermore and evermore. And the last two verses go like this. O ye heights of heaven, adore him. Angel hosts his praises sing. All dominions bow before him and extol our God and King. Let no tongue on earth be silent. Every voice in concert sing, evermore and evermore. Christ to thee with God the Father, and O Holy Ghost to thee. Him enchant and high thanksgiving and unwearied praises be. Honor, glory, and dominion, and eternal victory evermore and evermore. Father, you are so worthy of our praise, and we falter so. But let us learn anew this Christmas Eve that 
freedom, and the way to love and mercy lies in worship and in worshiping you alone, Father, Son, and Spirit, who make us new. We don't dissolve into some other kind of beings, but you renew us and recreate us with a new nature that one day we'll have a heart devoted even more and more to you. We praise you, we honor you, we sing to you this Christmas Eve. Amen.